0: Welcome back to Never Alone. We're your hosts, Morgan and Madison. And in today's episode, we will be breaking down the infertility process step by step. So from the beginning of trying to what it looks like to move forward at a fertility clinic, um, we'll cover it all.
1: This is mainly for those, you know, who haven't entered the process yet. Yeah. And it's just kind of a more detailed description Mm -hmm. of what the process looks like because, at the beginning, you don't know what's going on. You're confused. You're yeah. looking for answers. And um, we kind of wanted somebody to show us the ropes.
0: Yeah. I remember when I first was kind of entering the world of going to a fertility clinic. I am a I'm a very type A, I'm a scheduler. I wanted to know what to expect. I, I would remember looking for people's protocols, like in my group. I was like oh, so interesting. Wanting to know and and just in case you're not sure what protocol means, that's like the medicines and the timeline that your doctor prescribes. I was just so curious, like what mine might look like. So I think this is just helpful to kind of zoom out, talk through the timeline, talk through what you might expect.
1: Yeah. And I would say from my experience, I it took me a while, but eventually I got to a place where I didn't know anybody personally who had gone through, mm-hmm. through infertility. Mm-hmm. And so... Through counseling, um, my sweet counselor recommended a support group. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, I would have never, ever gone to a support group. (laughs) But I did. I showed up at a support group for infertility, and it was very overwhelming. It was incredibly sad. But at the same time, it did help me um, feel like I wasn't alone through the
0: beginning stages. Because I didn't have anybody at the time. Which is so important. I mean, having support is huge yeah and even if it that is an online community or a podcast or obviously we would hope that it would be friends too um but yeah I think we'll kind of just kick it off with the very beginning so when we're still innocent and uh naive and hopeful <laughs> that it would happen naturally um kind of yeah you know the beginning
1: Yeah. So at the beginning process, as you're aware of, you get ovulation test kits um, every month as well as pregnancy Mm tests. And you um, might get the comment from the checkout lady at the grocery store to say, are you pregnant? I know I've gotten that before. And I'm like, "Um, no, but thank you
0: for asking. That's why I got mine on Amazon. Yes, (laughs) I got like the pack of 100 (laughs) ovulation and pregnancy like duo, really, Uh really hopeful.
1: Morgan was smart. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Anyways, you buy a ton of tests. Yes. And it's, um it's taxing all yeah. the tests that you do every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, not only are you tracking ovulation, but you are, you know, talking with your husband and mm-hmm. telling him that tonight's the night we have to have sex. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, it's just a very different, it's a different feeling. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, anyone, my friends who are you know fortunate enough to conceive naturally they do experience that but for like one month two months three like three months it's not this like 12 to 15 month thing where you're like here i go again like and then there's that hope that disappointment like every time you know every month you're just like those that two-week wait hoping that you are pregnant and then you know your period comes and you're crushed
1: yeah and I will say and I had to share this with my husband you know eventually that I feel like as a woman mm-hmm. our minds um are so much more in tuned, obviously because it's our bodies right but I remember every single month whereas I if I would be a day late or two days late mm-hmm. I would get so hopeful yeah. I would be like oh my gosh it happened it's yeah. the month and then, of course, my period would come. Right. Um. But even if you are a day late or two days late or even four days late, mm-hmm. it's like you get this crazy amount of hope mm-hmm. and then it goes away. Yeah. It's just such a roller. I would say it's such a roller coaster of emotions that just go up and down mm-hmm. Um, of the balance between hopeful but also really
0: excited. Yeah. And then every month it's like that crushing. And then it's like, am I crazy that every like, you know, you still get excited. I even (laughs) going through this for a third time. I mean, I'm on estrogen. I was on estrogen and my period was late and I was like, well, I better take a test. And it's just that's estrogen's job. Right. And I still even was like, well, you never know. Like we did try during that, that window. So yeah. It really never goes away. Well, Um, I will also say that if you uh, become to be mm -hmm. like
1: I was, eventually I stopped mm -hmm. testing. Yeah. Because I was so discouraged that I told my husband, I was like, I'm not buying another pregnancy Mm -hmm. test. And I would be like four days late and he would be like, I think you need to go buy one. Mm -hmm. And I would refuse because I'm like, I don't want to see it again. I don't want to see the test. I don't want to see the lines. And so I stopped testing. So that's like another Mm -hmm. aspect of it that's... Mm -hmm frustrating and hard and like we don't get to which i hate that you're in this club if you're listening Mm -hmm. but we don't get to take a picture of our pregnancy test like everybody else does um normally we'll find out through a blood test from the doctor right (laughs) um sometimes you will find out through an at-home pregnancy test but not normally no which is kind of hard Mm -hmm.
0: i think that's just one of the many many things that's just not normal not you know and that's, you're probably, you know, might even be so far away from like thinking about a positive test at the moment, but that's just one of the little things that it's just like, it's not supposed to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, so aside from the trying, um, and that, and all that can kind of, you know, put pressure on your marriage, but you're also like at your OB, you're maybe doing some tests there. mm mm-hmm. Um, you they'll know, do your baseline test right. of like progesterone, estrogen, all mm-hmm. that jazz. They'll mm-hmm. recommend
1: your husband getting tested. Sure. Um, so they'll do all the baseline, which is
0: nice. Right. And then, you know, at whatever point, I think the technical diagnosis, like let's say nothing comes up in those. I know a lot of people are probably struggling with unexplained infertility. Mm-hmm. The, the technical diagnosis now is, is one year. Yep. So, um, you know, if it's been 12 months that you've been actively trying, you can, you know, get a referral or just reach out to a clinic on your own. Um, but kind of like even prior to that is the dynamics with other people. So yeah. like what that looks like on your marriage, maybe your friends. Like I know for us, we were very vocal about wanting kids, um, not anticipating that we would struggle. So we told people, you know, when they asked after you get married, a lot of people ask, you yeah. know, like, Oh, like, do you guys want kids? Or when do you want kids? And we're, you know, would kind of tell them like soon. Um, and then when it's been three years and you don't have any children yet, like people are asking questions. And so, yeah. yeah, Did you guys get a lot of questions?
1: We got a ton of questions. Oh my gosh. We got a ton <laughs> of questions and it was, I think it was hard for us because I think everybody knew that we wanted kids Um, and I was very private with our story. Yeah. I didn't feel comfortable telling anybody because to me, it was such an intimate journey Mm -hmm. between me and my husband. Right. And, um, there was a lot of just unknowns. And I would say at the beginning of your infertility journey, there's so much you don't know mm-hmm. to where there's not a whole lot to share. Right, like You can share, you know, like I had a doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. but I'm waiting on a result. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you feel this weird tension of like, we're getting help, but there's not a lot of answers. Yeah. And so honestly, we just didn't share a lot at the yeah. beginning. Um, So it was really hard navigating friends and family's comments mm-hmm. and they mean well, they mean so well. They mm-hmm. just curious. They mm-hmm. want to know. Um, but when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to hear. Yeah. It's hard to hear when are y'all having kids
0: I mean, I could listen. You're the like, we are questions. working on it. Yeah. The lots <laughs> and questions that we've gotten. Um, but it is, it's hard to hear. Yeah. And I, I do think it's worth mentioning that, you know, you're going through so much. And so like, you're excited during this time mm-hmm. when you might may- maybe make one baby step, like even right. that you got an appointment at a fertility clinic, for example, but you really can't like unshare things mm-hmm. or reel it in. Right. So I think I was very open. And then it's like, to your point, you have, you're waiting on like one test result yeah. and that can take a while. And yeah. then it's, you know, it just, things don't happen quickly and you don't have updates to share. So, um, I think that's tough with friends. Yeah. Um, but and it, I just thought of
1: another, um, story that I remember at the very, very beginning of mm-hmm. our journey, we did get pregnant, um, through formara which is um, another version of Clomed, mm. and it was just with our OB. So we hadn't even seen a fertility specialist yet. Um, and somebody gave me a baby gift and it was yes. the sweetest intentions. Yes. Oh my gosh. Did I love receiving that little baby gift? Mm-hmm. Of course. But then when we miscarried it tore in my heart mm-hmm. and I was like, we got to get rid of it Yeah, <laughs> because I didn't want to see it. Sure. And so that's another aspect of sharing. It's just like, it's hard when mm-hmm. it doesn't work out. And, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think I think people are becoming a little bit more mindful yes. of sharing early. Yeah. Like even people who aren't struggling with fertility. Right. Um, loss is another aspect of our podcast that yeah. we, you know, hope to to share more about. And I think that it unfortunately is becoming a lot more common, a lot more talked about. I think, you know, people are becoming a little bit more, you know, even even friends that have had healthy babies now, yeah. because they've, you know, heard some, you know, my story, your story, like right. other people's stories, they're like, you know, like I, I kind of want to wait until just not taking it for granted. Like yes. I think maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, people were telling like the day they got a positive pregnancy right. Four test. Four weeks. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think people are becoming a little bit more aware. They are that. for sure. Yeah. Um, But I think the other thing about just the dynamics of people is The marriage. So, Mm -hmm. how did that affect y'all's marriage? Just like all the kits, all the trying, like even just admitting that you needed help.
1: I would say in our marriage, we actually grew really close together. Mm -hmm. And I know this isn't the case for everybody. I've heard a lot of people struggle with infertility and it kind of pulls them apart yeah. and um, I understand how it pulls you apart. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But thankfully, by the grace of God, uh, it pulled me and my husband together Mm -hmm. and we were definitely on the same page. Um, He is obviously my number one supporter and he definitely gets the emotional side of things, which Mm -hmm, helps. mm -hmm. Um, But to add to that, I will say, As a woman going through all of it physically, it is a strain because the male will never fully understand what it's like. Like each month, each procedure, each test, each blood draw, each like literally I could list a million things, each everything Mm -hmm. that happens to our bodies, each medication, yeah, they will just never fully understand, Mm -hmm. which is hard. It's hard on a marriage and they can be the most supportive person and the most empathetic person and the. Your number one cheerleader, and yet they will still never understand the physical aspect.
0: Right. Which and is I think, challenging. I think that's true in every stage. So yes. I think it's it's true physical and emotional, because I think it's true in the very early stages when you're trying, because mm-hmm. they don't know when your period's coming. Right. Well, they might learn, but <laughs> they don't really know, you know, yeah. like they don't know those couple days before that you're like is it too early to test, like right. all that, or, yeah. you know, at least in the very early days. Yeah, And then, you know, through as you go on, like you said, the physical aspects, um, they just don't – they can't feel it for you. And yeah. they also just don't have the same, like, innate right.
1: – I think they want to
0: be dads yes. for sure. But I think we're ready before them. yeah. And what you said about being on the same page, like I have definitely talked to other people going through this who – they really weren't on the same page, yeah. and and that's you really. It's really hard when you have you know the guy usually. Yeah, I think the girl is usually the one who's like ready to move forward and want a right. baby yesterday. Yeah, and the guy who's like, I just think we could keep trying, or like right. I'm not totally ready, or I'm I want to get here in my career, and right. like it's such a commitment to move forward with that. Um, I don't. I think it's just natural for guys to not usually be ready. Of course. Um, so I think that's something that a lot of people have to navigate to. Yeah. How did it affect y'all's marriage? I think similar to you. So we, um, you know, we've been like aunt and uncle for a long time. And mm-hmm. definitely, I was definitely like ready to have kids sooner. I remember getting off birth control and, and my husband being like, okay, like that feels <laughs> a little soon. Yeah. But then once we, you know, very quickly he was wanting children as much as me and I think it grew us closer too. Yeah. especially like I think the early days it was hard because it was still we weren't sure right um so I do think it made you know it, it wasn't like that newlywed year of just like yeah you know like let's just like you know be spontaneous like yeah. in our love life like yeah. it definitely wasn't that yeah um but I think that it grew us really close in a lot of other ways, especially once we started going through treatments. Yes. Like, he did all my shots and just was so intuitive to my needs and, like, really showed up for me in ways that I didn't think he would. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think we just have a different kind of appreciation for it all. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, and I would say, I mean, if I were to give any advice for marriages, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning process, it would probably be, which I know you've heard this probably just in general for marriage, but over-communicate. Yes, and you really need to share your feelings. Yeah. So whether that's you've had a hard day, mm-hmm. whether you're hopeful, whether you're discouraged, mm-hmm. whether you're thinking about your period, whether you're thinking about ovulation, yeah. whether you're not feeling sex that night, yeah. like you just really need to over communicate mm-hmm. more in this aspect um, than normal.
0: Yeah. I think that brings up a really good point because I think if you're someone who tolerates once you do kind of move forward with fertility treatments mm-hmm. like tolerates pain well or isn't really like a complainer or isn't vocal. Right. I mean, I definitely <laughs> let my husband know that I'm feeling moody, yeah. But like, even still, there would be times I think that he would forget. Yes. What I, I mean, they definitely forget, and they I totally think the forget. more you go through, the longer you go through, the less we complain. Yeah. Or the less we vocalize. Yeah. And then they think we're fine.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely had that in our journey as well. Yeah. As, um, <laughs> I think I just broke down one time, yes. and my husband was like, "I'm so sorry. You're just so <laughs> strong." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, "You just. You, we've been through this so many times." Uh that like i do forget and he forgot so you just have to remind your husbands because they want to be there for you right they want to help in any way that they can yeah
0: and that goes for the early days too i think it's like even just that heartbreak around getting your period or like that you're sick of like these ovulation tests or that your friends are getting pregnant which is a whole other episode but um i think all those things are really valid yeah and um so we kind of talked about like the beginning of just trying what that does to your marriage, kind of like the friends and the comments from other people. Um, and then it's kind of like actually moving forward and seeing a specialist. Yeah.
1: So when you decide to move forward, your OB will either recommend a fertility clinic. Um, they might recommend several. Mm-hmm. Or you can do your own research and reach out to the one that you prefer or find the best reviews. It's really your call. Yeah. Um, But I would say that process is also um, hard, but very exciting. Mm -hmm. Like it's exciting because you feel like you're going to get answers. You feel like you're going to get new ideas. These doctors are specifically trained in this area. And so there is a very exciting aspect to moving to a fertility clinic.
0: Yeah. It does sometimes take a really long time to get in. Mm. And we both got really lucky with cancellations. Yes. And I remember feeling so lucky. Like, oh my gosh, the, the doctor I wanted to see was on like a four or five month wait. And they are like, but we have a cancellation for this other doctor. And I was like, like, we're making progress. Like after, after so long of no progress or just sadness, you know? Um, So it is exciting. It is
1: exciting. Um, So you make your appointment with a fertility specialist. Um, I think now because of our technological world, you do a Zoom call Mm -hmm. so you don't actually go into the clinic. Um, so you'll meet your doctor and that meeting can be very overwhelming. Yes. Um, I was extremely, extremely nervous. Um, you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what they're going to recommend. You don't know what you're supposed to say Mm -hmm. or ask. Mm -hmm. It's just like,
0: you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. There was a lot more like scientific terms in ours too than I was expecting. Yeah. They kind of walked us through like different demonstrations, uh, or like slides. And it was such like medical jargon that I was like, okay, I just walked away like needing to Google so much. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it can feel overwhelming. um, But like we said, it is very encouraging Mm -hmm. and it's a great step forward. Um, So I guess our advice to y'all on the fertility specialist would be, you can wait three to six months on your specific doctor that you've Mm -hmm. been researching or you've had great reviews from. That's totally your call or you can go with first available at the clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't really think there's a right or wrong answer. You just got to find a doctor that you love, that you
0: mesh with, that
1: Mm -hmm. um, you feel like would be a good fit for your journey.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think we talked about this before too. It's a lot of times they they work together. So jumping ahead, but like our first round of IVF retrieval was unsuccessful and like they all met together as a group to regroup about what would be the best path forward. So it's like, you are still getting the input from maybe the top doctor at the clinic. Um, just something to keep in mind. Um, but once you do decide on your doctor, um, and get that first call, there is so much blood to be drawn. (laughs) So many tests, (laughs) I mean, I will tell you, I, I mean, I'm still not good at blood draws, but I was like the girl that couldn't donate blood. I could hardly even get my blood drawn just for a random doctor's appointment. I'd be like, I'm going to need a Gatorade. Like, I'm just letting you know, I'm probably going to pass out. Like I was the wimp Yeah. and I'm still not great, but (laughs) you really do have to get over it because you are going to give a lot of blood. It's outrageous.
1: I mean, when we say it's outrageous, the amount of blood you give, I mean, it's crazy. You have to give blood for everything, for every appointment. It's like, oh, you're here. Let's draw your blood. Yeah. They
0: don't even know why they're drawing their blood. (laughs) I mean, that's not true. They do. It just feels that way. It does
1: feel that way. And honestly, I they normally can always find a good vein for me. So it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. I hate needles to begin with, which... Is also comical that I'm in this situation. (laughs) But um, thankfully, they can find good veins on me. But it's,
0: I mean, the amount of blood draws, it's crazy. I did not anticipate that. No, I definitely didn't either. And I think some of the tests are so weird too. Yeah. Um, I mean, they test you for, and I know a lot of it's legal, but like STDs and AIDS and like all this stuff. I'm like, I have been tested for STDs probably (laughs) – a hundred times over the past three years. Right. Um it's like, I promise we're good. But I didn't have chicken pox uh immunity, had to had to get like found that out. So random, delays things, you know, which is hard. But um they're just trying to cross all their T's, dot all their I's it's probably things that other people just it's like ignorance is bliss. They might not know. And yeah. Um but they didn't go this route. So I think sometimes the blood work is good, though. I mean, it it can help uncover different things. Like if there is an issue, Mm -hmm. I think some of y'all's testing did help in your journey.
1: Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So um, it's kind of twofold. But yes, the blood work did help, but we also had to do genetic testing as well. Um, And um, that's a later test, but still, obviously. A blood draw. Right. Um, but yes, it definitely it definitely uncovered a lot of um answers that we were looking mm-hmm. for in our journey. Mm-hmm. And we're very grateful for that. Um but I would say we're it's a weird balance because yeah. we were also We were grateful when we heard the news because it was like, oh, we have an answer. Mm -hmm. And then obviously devastated that that
0: was the case. Sure. That it was the answer. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Totally. And I think similar to us. like Some of our tests dictated, you know, our path. And it's like crushing part of it. But then it's like, okay, at least we know what we need to do. Right. Um, So some of our issue has like a direct, you know, we know this is wrong. Right. But there's multiple things going on. Right. Like, and just because they have found
1: one issue couldn't. doesn't mean that you will get the protocol and then have a living child. Exactly. Like,
0: that just, that's exactly. just not how it works. I mean, it's ex- perfect case is, like, we understood one aspect from a test, moved forward, and then we, you know, still didn't have success. So there's this whole processing yeah. kind of aspect that is not finite. It's kind of like a long-term processing. Um, But I guess just tell us a little bit more about kind of how you processed when you guys learned more.
1: Yeah. I would say when we found out that we um, had a genetic issue, it gave us some sense of hope Mm -hmm. um, that this is kind of why we've been struggling for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just a load of, I would just say a big weight on our shoulders Mm -hmm. of like, wow, I can't believe this is the thing that's holding us back from having a child. Mm -hmm. Um, So we talked about it for a really long time. And um, like you mentioned earlier, there was, uh, several other aspects that we had going on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this just the genetic component, but um yeah, just figuring out how to move forward mm-hmm. with your um what do they call it? your um diagnosis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um it's yeah, it's hard, but yeah. um you just got
0: to talk through it as a couple. Um yeah. And figure out what's the best plan with your doctors. Yeah, I think something that we didn't mention and is interesting because you and I handled things differently yeah. for sure. And I think this probably deserves its whole own topic of like all the things before I got to a fertility clinic like yeah. that I did. Yeah. I mean, I was that girl. Like <laughs> I I actually had a friend text me recently and was like, look at all this stuff this girl did like when she was trying. And I was like, I did like half that. Um, <laughs> So like seeing mm-hmm. functional medicine and like all that, and so I felt like um, when we did have to move forward with fertility treatments, one of the biggest things that was really hard for me was like that I was going to be putting all of these chemicals in my body. Yeah. and I think everyone deals with that. Yeah. But like I've just spent the last two years not eating dairy and gluten, and like just being a psycho. Yeah, like I it was to the point that it wasn't healthy. It was right. very controlling, right. um, and kind of doing the flip. Yeah, um, that was really hard. And so I think that's all sprinkled in here yeah. when during all the trying is like the acupuncture yes. and the, um, you know, all this. the holistic approach. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: And I would say my husband kind of, I mean, he did not pressure me, but he kind of wanted me to do the holistic yeah. approach mm-hmm. and I fought against it because mm-hmm. for some reason I was just had in my head, I'm like, no, no. And mm-hmm. I think it was maybe the stubborn pride in me, yeah. but I was like, everybody else, can get yeah. pregnant. Like this is not fair and right. I was I was really hurting mm-hmm. that I was like I'm not going to do all of these things right. that are extra. Yeah. And I think that was like my mad state. (laughs) Um, I was very angry and mad at that time. And you know, my husband jokes to this day that the microwave is my favorite appliance, but like it is, I use the microwave all the time. And in that season he was like, we got to get rid of the microwave. And I was like, we are not getting rid of our microwave.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I never did the microwave, but I did go pretty. I mean, I definitely was like clean beauty, clean everything. And I I do like as a person, like some of that stuff, right. but, you know, it was kind of obsessive. And so I think I had to, um, like break up with the idea that I could control the situation. Right. Even though we did understand part of our why. Yeah. Um, and then I think the processing it on your marriage, we kind of talked about that a little bit, but it's like really being aligned in your next steps. Yeah. Um, because you do have to make a lot of decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, um, we talk about this, but just there's so much that they put on you. So yes. like whether to start with IUI or IVF. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think it makes sense to kind of talk about IUI first because I think that's a lot of people's path yes. is they've been trying, they get in with the clinic, and then they start IUI. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. So if you're new to this, an IUI is um, – in layman's turn, a process to where they will take, um, sperm, they will wash it, make sure it's very clean. Mm -hmm. And then when you, you will be on medications, um, and then you will do a trigger shot, Mm -hmm. which helps you ovulate. And Mm -hmm. then they will insert the sperm, um, all the way up into your uterus to hopefully implant or not implant, hopefully, um, fertilize, fertilize with the egg and
0: um, hopefully then become pregnant. Right. And one thing we didn't talk about, cause I'm not sure how much they do this anymore. I mean, I think it is kind of the first step, but it was kind of out of my mind was like the timed intercourse. So that's yes. almost, that's like yeah. the first thing is maybe just taking, which sounds like you guys got pregnant that way the first time. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, maybe they're you're taking something to help your body ovulate. Yep. So yep. this is just like that similar protocol, yep. but then they're actually taking the sperm yep. and um, it's you way know, getting of, it to where it needs to go.
1: Right. It's their way of saying like, you're doing everything right. Let us just help you a little bit further. Right.
0: I don't regret doing IUI, but it was really, it was harder in a lot of ways for yeah. me. I think one, just knowing the statistics, like mm-hmm. that, you don't go into it being like, I have a really good chance of getting pregnant. <laughs> right. You don't. They're like you have a 10% chance. Yeah,
1: the statistics are very low.
0: Right. And so I do still think it was good yeah. to like warm up yep. to the idea of um just taking hormones and like that. I was say it might be like your first time giving yourself a shot, yes. which is good to do. Yeah. But I actually remember I felt I felt more affected by those hormones for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. Um and I also think it just felt I don't know. It felt longer yeah, in a way. It does feel a little bit I don't longer know for some reason. Um, but we did get a call the day of our IUI and they were like, so, and this can happen whether you have like a male, you know, factor issue or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people who have actually gotten pregnant through IUI. Yeah. Who one of their IUIs was this way. So this right. isn't to totally discourage, but our story was they called ahead of, you know, maybe 30 minutes before I was leaving to go um for the actual procedure. And they're like, so the sample was actually much worse than we were anticipating. Mm. And like statistically, there is just really not a good chance that this is gonna work. So mm. like you can come if you want, but you know, you also don't you can cancel if you want. And I was just like, what? Like I've done all this work. Like of course we have to try. Yeah. Um I think they legally had to like give us the out sure. if we wanted. But yeah. um that was really hard. I just remember going, I was crying, you know, you're mm. not like excited. It's no. already, it's already a weird thing to do. Yeah. Like it is weird. Yeah. And then you're just like, I was wearing a mask. It was COVID. My husband couldn't be like, it was just, it was awful. Mm. And I just remember being like, what am I doing? Um, that being said, I do know people who have gotten pregnant through IOI. And I think it is, I think it's helpful for specific cases. For sure,
1: yeah. -hmm. And we did – so we did three rounds of IUI as well because that's what my doctor recommended. Mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing. I do not regret it. Mm -hmm. I think it was a great, like you said, like – Warm up. Warm up to IVF. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was hard. It was challenging. Yeah. Um, Because it's like your first step into um, baby making, if you will, that's not not normal. Like it just did not feel normal. You – Go into the room, you know, like thankfully my husband was allowed in the room at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, But it just, it
0: feels very, um, it just doesn't feel natural. No. Um, So it's a hard process. Right. Do you guys have any IUI specific? Um, I will say we do. (laughs) I, so throughout our
1: journey, um, I had a few people that were very influential in the beginning stages. And one of them was, My sweet nurse, which we totally bonded uh, right off the bat. And till this day, I'll just (laughs) cry mentioning her because um, she was the biggest blessing. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) We both love our nurses. nurses. They're literally Um, the best.
1: (laughs) Anyways, I don't know what I would do without her. She was fantastic. And um, we became good friends, actually but, uh, I do remember, I think it was our third IUI and, um, we went into the office and she came in and she just started crying (laughs) and she just said she was so sorry. And, um, (laughs) and then she looked at me and she was like, but I have to draw your blood. (laughs) And it goes back to the, Oh my gosh. The million blood draws. Yeah. Like, You're like, the, you've
0: got to be kidding me. This is the absolute yeah. last thing I want to do right now. Oh
1: my gosh. That was the last thing I wanted to do was get my freaking blood drawn again mm-hmm. for the millionth time. Um, Anyways, I don't know why that memory stood out to me, but um, it just did. I was very grateful, grateful for my nurse and um, the empathy and the love and support, but also just shows you how. Brutal it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brutal, um, it's a brutal process. It's very different from then just getting a negative yes. pregnancy test. <laughs> very different.
0: Very different. You've put so much work in. Yeah. You've been waiting, you know, a year and then a month. <laughs> yes. You know, it's not like this is the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think IUI is really emotional. Like we've said, it just prepares you. Like there's no way I could have just started with IVF. No, good Lord, no. And so I know some people do, but like it would have been really overwhelming to me. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just to give like a high level overview of of what that looks like. So, you know, when you do make the decision to move forward, there's a protocol. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about that earlier, but like it it explains all the medicines you're going to be taking all of the uh, times the dates and a lot of these dates are like placeholders yep um because so much of it has to do with your cycle and just the monitoring so Mm -hmm. you're when you do decide to move forward there's two parts there's the egg retrieval where they put you on all these shots they stimulate your ovaries they call it stims and they are monitoring you almost daily blood draws Looking at your ovaries, and they want all of your follicles to grow at the same rate. Whereas naturally, each month just one grows to be large. They mm-hmm. want all of them to grow to be large. Um, they re- you know remove them in a surgery. They take the sperm and fertilize them, or, or attempt to, and then after about a week, you know if you have any embryos that made it to what they call day five. Yep, and those are the ones that. Um, You know, they can transfer essentially, which then takes another, you know, probably two months to prepare for a transfer. Mm -hmm. And in between when you're doing round two of shots to prepare for the transfer is when you can test them. And that is a whole other topic, whether or not to test embryos. Um, But if like everything goes perfectly, you're looking at about three months. Yep. And this is, we're just talking about frozen transfer. So there is fresh transfer, there's natural transfer. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we could talk about, but that, this is kind of like the most straightforward overview, if you will.
1: Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into more detail about, um, the egg retrieval process and also the embryo transfer process. But that, that was a great, just, um, high level version overview.
0: Yeah. So To kind of recap, it's you're trying for months, maybe years, you know, they're checking you, they're checking your husband. During all that, you're kind of dealing with like the dynamics of your marriage and taking the spontaneity out and your friends and like questions from family. And then maybe finally, you're seeking out a specialist, then hopefully getting in soon, sometimes waiting a while for an appointment. And then all the blood draws begin. There's all the blood draws. There's all of the testing. um, There's, you know, processing the news. um, Kind of just making sure you're on the same page in your marriage. Questions from other people that like maybe you're excited to share that you're getting answers, but you don't really know what those answers are. And then it's decision. So it's like moving forward with IUI or moving forward with IVF based on your case and Mm -hmm. then getting a protocol um, with the medicines, dates, times based on that decision.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot. But just know that this might seem like, um, I don't know if it seems scary or yeah. more uh, reassuring, but I will say it's a long process. Mm-hmm. As we've said from the very beginning, it's a very long process with ups and downs.
0: Um. Mm-hmm but just know that you're not alone through it. No, we hope that you would feel encouraged um, by this and just getting a glimpse into it might, you know, make things a little easier. So if you're kind of starting the process, or if you know a friend who might be starting, definitely share this podcast with them. Um, And if you have questions about anything Um, I know there was lots of like terminology or if you want to know more about a specific aspect um, definitely message us on our Instagram we'd love to be there for you